As you all know, SharpFootballAnalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. And next week, we are opening up the entire site to everyone. 2021 Sharp Football Free Week will kick off Monday, November 15th, and all of our picks, analysis, fantasy coverage, props, and content will be free and open to the public. Follow our site handle on Twitter at SharpFBAnalysis for information and instructions on how to take advantage. That's SharpFBAnalysis to prepare for Sharp Football Free Week 2021. Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting Podcast. I'm Ryan McChrystal, and it's time to dive into week 10. Uh, today, we'll touch on a few of the bigger games, and of course, we'll dive into some of the player props I like for this week. And let's start out with Browns Patriots. And this is a pretty big game. Patriots favored by two points in this one. It feels like it's a potential turning point for both of these teams, almost like a mid-season playoff game, playoff game with both of them sitting at five and four. Uh, obviously, could send you know one of these teams in a very positive direction, and the other team will be left at five hundred, potentially looking for some answers heading into the stretch run. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this game, though, also was to follow up on some stuff I mentioned last week. Obviously. You know, the Browns have now moved on from Odell Beckham. They got their first look at their offense post OBJ last week, and it looked pretty good. (laughs) Uh, And some of it, you know, if you listened last week, you may not have been surprised by it because one of the things I talked about was some of the numbers showed that the Browns are actually pretty good throwing downfield when they're not throwing to Odell Beckham. He's been their least reliable receiver throwing downfield since he got to Cleveland. And sure enough, last week against the Bengals, uh, when Baker Mayfield threw at least 15 yards downfield, he was five of seven, 148 yards, two touchdowns. And that was with spreading the ball around. Nick Chubb even saw one of those downfield passes, Harrison Bryant, David Njoku, and a couple to Donovan Peoples-Jones, of course, including that long touchdown that he had. So, you know, that really kind of fell right in line with what I was kind of expecting from the Browns last week to almost like, you know, losing OBJ, although, you know, again, if you listened last week, you heard me say, like, it's foolish to think that they're overall better without him because, you know, at the very least, he provides capable depth, which every team needs. Uh, But he's not the Odell Beckham that we used to see in New York. He's not a dangerous weapon anymore. Uh, And so, you know, without having him there, without feeling the need to force the ball to him a little bit, you know, I may have just kind of freed them up a little bit. And then obviously, you know, for whatever reason, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. He has not been a downfield threat since he got to Cleveland. And Baker Mayfield has proven capable of throwing the deep ball, uh, throwing to some of his other weapons, which he immediately did once OBJ wasn't there. Now, that's never going to be like a major focal point of this offense. But, uh, you know, seeing them succeed without it, seeing Baker throw to his other weapons and have success doing so, uh, I think that's an encouraging sign for the Browns. And, you know, maybe we can continue to see that uh, trend hold moving forward. Now, I mentioned the Patriots are favored by two in this game. I'm kind of leaning towards liking the Browns. And uh, one of the other reasons, in addition to the success we saw from them in the downfield passing game last week, was uh, this might be just a good matchup for the Browns run game. The Patriots defense Overall, I'm going to remove red zone stats from this. So looking at the rest of the field, Patriots run defense has been very good. Overall, they're along 3.7 yards per attempt outside the red zone. That ranks fourth overall. However, the Browns run a lot of two tight end sets and even some three, I mean, even quite a bit of three tight end sets. Uh, And the Patriots against 12 personnel 
they are allowing 4.2 rushing yards per attempt. That ranks 21st overall. Now, the Browns already like to use a lot of two and three tight end formations. In fact, that makes up over 50% of their rush attempts with at least two tight ends on the field. Knowing that, knowing that this is a you know smart coaching staff who is capable of making some small adjustments like that, uh, depending on the matchup, it makes me think that we may see even more of this in this game. And you know, that they'll attack the Patriots with those two tight end and three tight end formations and try to run the ball at them. Uh, obviously, we know that, you know, against anybody, that's what the Browns want to do. They want to be a run first offense because they trust this offensive line and they're running back so much. Uh, knowing that it is potentially also a weakness of the Patriots with, you know, multiple tight ends in the field, I think we'll probably see the Browns come out and do a lot of this early on. And if they have success, I, I do think the Browns are capable of taking control of this game early. And then Obviously, if they can take control of the game running the ball early, uh, you know, whenever we've seen them able to do that, it tends to kind of snowball on the other team and the Browns just continue to run through all four quarters. So this could be a big game for the Browns running the ball. Uh, and I so I kind of, you know, obviously there's some health situations here for the Browns have to keep an eye on leading up to game time. But uh, I, I'm leaning that direction right now. Next big game I want to talk about is Saints at Titans. This is an interesting one. Another one that I wanted to bring up, not only because it's a fairly big game for both teams, but because following up on some numbers that we touched on last week with the Titans, Titans are favored by a field goal in this one. And another situation where we're seeing, saw the Titans for the first time last week without one of their big playmakers, Derek Henry, of course. And I talked about in last week's podcast, although we haven't seen Henry, we haven't seen the Titans without Henry very often because you know, obviously one of the reasons he's been so great for them is just his availability. He's healthy all the time and is able to handle that big workload. But in the few situations where we had seen them without him, they continued to use play action and continued to have success with play action. And that sort of flew in the face of a big talking point um, around NFL media last week was that Henry is so critical. They kept saying Henry is so critical to their play action game because teams want to sack the box. There's even more incentive for linebackers to cheat up. Uh, and what we had seen in the past is that didn't really, that wasn't really true. You know, play, they still use play action a lot without Henry and they still had successful play action without Henry. So I was sort of thinking the opposite in that game that, you know, although, you know, losing Henry hurts, <laughs> they're not better without him, of course, but I didn't think it was going to affect their play action game. They're a team that uses play action a lot. And since Tannehill got to Tennessee, he's been very good when they do dial up the play action. Uh, and it played out again. This one played out as expected. Also Titans used play action 40% of the time last week and Tannehill completed 72% of those passes. Uh, and obviously their offense looked just fine against a very good Rams defense. So, you know, again, this is a team that got worse by losing Henry, obviously, but the play action game is still going to be a part of the, a big part of the offense. And I think Tannehill is still going to have success with it. It's not about Henry. The play action game works because play action works for everybody. And the Titans seem to be specifically very good at knowing when to dial it, dial it up and how to trick uh, defenses into buying, biting out on it. So I expect them to continue to do this and have success with it in a high rate. And in this matchup, it makes me really like the Titans because the Saints are particularly bad against play action this year. They're ranked 29th in yards allowed per attempt against play action, giving up 9.8 yards per attempt. So that's that's a real big red flag for the Saints 
And, you know, even though it's only been one game without Derrick Henry, it matches what we expected based on looking at some numbers from when they had been without Henry in the past. I expect the Titans to be able to have a lot of success with the play action passing game in this matchup. Another reason I like the Titans is their pass rush has kind of quietly gotten very good this year. They didn't make a ton of changes and it was a big weakness last year. They were 28th in pressure rate. And without making too many changes on that side of the ball, they've gotten to the point where it's, you know, I wouldn't say that, that they're among the best in the league, but it's become an asset to this defense, their ability to pressure the quarterback. I mean, they ranked 28th in pressure rate last year, getting only to the quarterback only 33% of the time. This year they ranked ninth at 42%, and they've been over 40% now in pressure rate in three of their last four games. Obviously, Harold Landry leads the way for them. Uh, and it just, you know, they've established it against enough good teams now, including the Rams last week, that I think we need to really take them seriously the rest of the way. This is uh, legitimately a, a good pass rush, and they're going to cause problems from quarterbacks. And again, looking at this matchup specifically, uh, the Saints have Trevor Simeon. <laughs> and that's just, if you can get pressure on Trevor Simeon, you're going to win. It's pretty much that simple. Uh, under pressure last week, uh, he Averaged 3.2 yards per attempt, 1.8 adjusted net yards per attempt. He's just not the type of quarterback that's going to be able to handle consistent pressure. So, you know, I I think the Titans are going to be able to get pressure on him at a decent rate. They've been so consistent doing so, especially in recent weeks. I I think that they're going to cause a lot of problems. So Titans are favored by a field goal in this game. I, I definitely like them at that number. Let's move on now to some player props and, One of the ones I want to touch on first is Christian McCaffrey. And I'm going to take the under on his rushing yards, I think. I haven't seen the line posted yet. We'll have to see where it is. Obviously, that's kind of a tricky number to predict because obviously returned from injury last week. He only played 49% of the snaps. We we had a pretty low number for him last week. Hopefully, it rises a little bit. I believe it was at 42 and a half last week. Um, and he ended up running for 52 yards. So that's some reason, you know, the fact that he went over last week, certainly some reason to think that the number's going to rise. Also, you know, presumably his snap count would uh, rise a bit la- a bit this week. Now that he's uh, been back and healthy for a week, I would assume that he'll play a little bit more. So hopefully that pushes the number up. I- I'm hoping the number gets around to the mid-50s, and in which case I'm going to take the under. And this really doesn't have anything to do with McCaffrey himself. It has a lot to do with the Panthers' offensive line, which has been uh, one of the worst in the league this year. According to ESPN's run block win rate, they ranked 26 overall. And then just last week, they lost their left tackle, Cam Irving. They lost their center, Matt Paradis. Losing two starters, that's going to hurt any line. Losing a team that, you know, losing two starters for a team that was already struggling it's potentially a disaster. It, it could potentially force them to abandon the running game pretty early in this game. Now, I do have to acknowledge that the Arizona Cardinals run game struggles a bit. They're giving up 4.8 yards per carry. So it's certainly not out of the question that McCaffrey could break off a few long runs. And even if the run game overall isn't super successful, you know, he, he could, you know, he could cause us to lose this bet just with a couple runs because he's so talented. But, you know, Arizona is also a 10 point favorite in this game. So even though their run game struggles, there's just not a huge incentive for Carolina to run the ball a lot, most likely as as long as the game goes as expected. And, you know, even if this game is a little bit closer than that line is anticipating, just you take two, two starters off an offensive line that's already struggling to clear running room. I think this is just a really bad situation for the Panthers run game. I would expect uh, a much heavier pass volume just 
purely out of necessity in this matchup. So as I said, if that as assuming that number is somewhere in like the mid fifties, I'm going to be on the under, if, if it comes in low, like it was last week you know, in the low forties, maybe it's just a stay away situation for me, but I'm not, because he went over last week, because the Cardinals do struggle to defend the run. I'm, and we expect him to see an increased snap count this week. I'm expecting that number would rise, hopefully in the mid mid fifties. It may even rise higher than that, in which case I'd be all over it if it gets into the sixties, because before he got injured, it was consistently in the mid to upper sixties, even in the seventies once or twice. So, you know, there's a wide range of potential outcomes for this number, but you know, anything above maybe 55 or so, I'm going to be on the under. Going to stick with running backs this time, taking a running back rushing yards over, and I'm going to say it for Zach Moss, although tentatively because he's in the concussion protocol right now. So assuming he is cleared to play, I really like him against the Jets defense is just an absolute disaster defending the run. I looked up some numbers this week using sports info solutions, and I was looking at, I wanted to see which, obviously I've, I've mentioned yards before contact per attempt quite often on this. And it's a good indication, obviously running backs talent is mixed into that somewhat, but it's also, it's a really good indicator of the offensive line. And on the flip side, the defensive line and their ability to just wreak havoc up front against the run game. So I was looking at their ability to prevent yards against yards, before, their ability to prevent yards before contact relative to their opponent's average in all other games. So a positive number means you're struggling. Negative number means that you're holding them to fewer than before. The just ranked dead last. They're giving up plus 1.1 yards before contact per attempt relative to their opponent's average against all other opponents. Obviously ranking, you know, at the bottom of the league, that's a big red flag, but because the the Jets are so bad, it's even more of a red flag. Most of the really bad teams are actually having the opposite effect. They're actually limiting opponents' yards before contact to an even greater extent. And just, you know, if we try to just think about this logically, I think it makes sense because if you're, you know, the worst teams in the league, are almost always playing from behind. Teams are running the ball against them at a higher rate. They're probably able to stack the box at a higher rate. So they're limiting those yards before contact. And the Jets are obviously in that same boat. They should know the run is coming at a much higher rate in most of their games this season. They should be able to stack the box and limit that. And yet they're allowing yards before contact at an even higher rate relative to what their opponents are doing against everybody else. That tells me that not only is this bad, it's they're like exponentially bad relative to everybody else because we should expect them to be performing much better. Uh, and so th- this is just a perfect situation for Zach Moss because, uh, you know, the Bills are obviously heavily favored in this game. He should get increased touches in the second half. That's typically how things have gone, although Devin Singletary has started every game for them. Moss tends to dominate the workload once they get a lead. So this sets up really nicely for him to have just, you know, we could see him go over his yardage total in the second half alone uh, based on how bad the Jets' defense have been. This line hasn't been posted yet, but I, I'm expecting it to be pretty similar to what it was last week against the Jaguars because obviously, although the game certainly didn't go as expected for Buffalo, at least heading into last week, we were expecting similar situation. You know, we were expecting an easy win for Buffalo. And last week, his line was available at 39 and a half yards. The fact that they lost last week, though, maybe that lowers it a little bit because his usage has been so heavily dependent on a a Bills holding a lead and getting those second-half touches. So 
maybe this is even a better number for us. Maybe it drops a little bit in the mid thirties. And, and I love it. As I said, you know, he could go over that alone in the second half if they are able to build a big lead and, you know, against this Jets defense, he should have opportunities to pick up some chunk yardage against them. Cause they're just not, they're just not getting into the backfield and making contact with the ball carrier. So this is a great situation for Moss assuming he clears concussion protocol. The next one I want to talk about, I'll actually go back to the Titans Saints game that I mentioned earlier. And although I said, I really like the Titans in this, in that game, I also like Deontay Harris, the over on his receptions. This is another one that it's a little bit tricky to predict what the line is going to be on this uh, because he has only recently started to see a significant role in the offense, but He's seen seven or more targets in three of his last four games. Uh, he's really become their primary slot receiver, although he isn't necessarily dominating the snaps in the slot. They're mixing it around. Uh, Marcus Callaway has been playing. Traquan Smith has been playing. But Harris has dominated the target share. Um, in fact, over the last two weeks in which we've had a healthy Traquan Smith, we would expect him to really dominate in the slot because that's been his role in the past where he's done fairly well. Um, but over the last two weeks, Harris has seen 15 total targets and nine total targets in the slot. Smith's only seen five targets from the slot. So despite the fact that Smith is back, it seems like Harris has kind of been the one that's stepped up and established himself as the trusted slot receiver. And in fact, um, with Trevor Simeon at quarterback, Harris leads the team with a 20% target share. So it seems like there's possibly some connection. Simeon just Feel, whether as he feels comfortable throwing to the slot or whether he feels comfortable throwing to Harris specifically, uh, it seems to be like they've got a bit of a connection. Harris has had a lot of success th- there. I also like this specifically because he's going to be matched up with a rookie quarterback. And if you've been listening to the pod all season, you know that's uh, I often like targeting rookie cornerbacks for receptions props, and we've had a lot of success with that this season. Elijah Molden. Uh, has been le- has been the Titans slot cornerback, and although the we talked about the Titans defense improving a lot this year, Molden hasn't has kind of been a weak link pretty consistently. He's allowing a fifty percent completion rate and eleven point five yards per target, which is brutal for a guy who's mostly lining up in the slot. So, I definitely like the receptions. It was available last week at four and a half. Uh, hopefully, it's available there again. If it rises to five and a half, I might hesitate. That's starting to become a pretty high number, but uh, four and a half seems like a fair number to me. And I would take it there and, you know, maybe, maybe we'll just stay away if it gets to five and a half. But I, I think this is a really good uh, situation for him just based on the usage that we've seen. It seems like he's only getting uh, more comfortable in that role and seems to have a specific connection with Simeon. And of course, going up against a rookie cornerback never hurts as well. Let's transition now to talk about Thursday night football. We've got Ravens at Dolphins. Ravens favored by seven and a half. This is a tough one to figure out as far as picking a side in this game. Uh, And a big reason for it is Tua Tungabailoa is questionable still, even as I'm recording this on Thursday. We don't know if he's going to suit up. Um, That could potentially swing the line if he is available. I'm not exactly sure. Personally, I don't think he really factors into my uh, thinking here. The Dolphins offense, though, has just been a mess, regardless of who's at quarterback. Will Fuller and Devontae Parker, they're both still out. I don't I don't really know what to make of that. You know, they just they don't have a downfield passing at all without either of those two guys. So uh, I like the Ravens a lot. I 
don't really see a path to the Dolphins winning this game, but it is Thursday night. They're on the road. They're laying over a touchdown. That's a that's that's kind of just a an over a blanket, just stay away situation for me. So I don't think I'm gonna bet it, but it is tempting a little bit just because of how bad I think the Dolphins are gonna look in this game. And as I was going through some numbers, this I'm not sure this number really affects my thinking as far as betting this game, but it really just jumped out and kind of underscored just how bad the Dolphins offense has been. So I wanted to share it. I was looking at adjusted net yards per attempt versus pressure. And, you know, I've mentioned this stat on the podcast quite a bit. It, it takes into, it tries to take into account sacks, turnovers, touchdowns, and put it into a yards per attempt formula, essentially. So it's, it's very similar to yards per attempt, but factors in some of the other big plays that aren't captured by that. And under pressure, adjusted net yards per attempt, Jacoby Brissett ranks 18th which is actually quite a bit higher than I would have thought because, you know, their offense has been pretty ugly, but he ranks 18th at 3.0. What really stood out to me, though, Tua ranks dead last, negative 2.2 adjusted net yards per attempt versus pressure. The only other two quarterbacks who are in the negatives in this stat are Geno Smith and Justin Fields. So that really drives home the point of just how bad he has been. So, if, if you were wondering why the Dolphins are kind of flirting with Deshaun Watson and maybe looking to move on from Tua Tagovailoa, there is no doubt his performance under pressure being as bad as it has been has factored into their uh, what seems to be some hesitancy with fully committing to him in the long run. And so if, if he suits up in this game, knowing that he's been banged up and just how bad he's been playing, I just have a really hard time envisioning him leading an offense that's capable of upsetting the Ravens in this matchup. But again, as I said, I'm still a little, just a road team giving seven and a half on a Thursday night. That just seems like a really bad situation. So I'll probably stay away, but it's it's really hard to imagine the Dolphins uh, pulling off an upset in this one. I also want to talk about, there is a prop bet that is actually my favorite prop bet of the week in this one. It's a really strange line. Jalen Waddle's longest reception prop is available at 21 and a half yards. I'm on the under, and the reason is pretty simple. He only has one catch over 21 yards this season, and it came all the way back in week one with a fully healthy Tua. So why this line is available at 21 and a half, I have absolutely no idea. Um, It's possible the Ravens' defense is factoring into that. They do rank 28th in uh, the number of explosive pass plays that they've allowed, which would be yards of 20 or more. So they are susceptible to those big plays, but Waddle's role in the offense isn't going to allow him to do that very often. I don't really care what defense he's playing. He just isn't that type of receiver. He was able to do it in college. You know, he had a lot of bit long touchdowns because, you know, Alabama was just in so many just huge mismatches and with just like the talent that they have in offense and, you know, their ability to spread the ball around. Waddle was able to create yards after the catch in huge chunks, but that's just not available for anybody in the NFL consistently. If you aren't used to stretch the field, you're not going to have those types of plays on a regular basis. And Jalen Waddle, 56% of his targets come within five yards of the line of scrimmage. 81% of his targets come within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Now, you may be wondering, without Will Fuller and Devontae Parker, does that change the equation a little bit? Is he? Are they forced to use him downfield? And at least last week, it doesn't look like it. He saw 10 targets, but eight of those were within 10 yards in line of scrimmage. So that falls perfectly in line with his season averages. So it doesn't seem like 
uh, they've really adjusted how they're trying to use him. Uh, he, he rarely was used to stretch the field at Alabama. They just used him on those underneath routes, pretty much right around a, a lot of screens, occasionally some slants, just, you know, it was all underneath stuff. The Dolphins don't seem to be willing to trust him to do much more of that yet. Now, obviously, there will be some. He did have two targets over 10 yards last week. So, you know, he w- he could go over. He will get an opportunity or two, most likely. Uh, but, you know, it's not like they're going to use him to stretch the field four or five times. So, you know, he's going to get one or two shots down the field, and it's coming with really bad quarterback play. So I just it seems like a real long shot. The fact that he's only done it once so far this year, and obviously they've played some much worse defenses than the Ravens. Uh, that's just, that seems crazy for the line to be set at that number this week. So yeah, I'm all over the under. I love this bet. Easily my favorite bet to place of the week. Uh, so hopefully that hits for us and we can start our Thursday night off well. Um, that's all for this week's show. Hope you guys enjoy a fun and profitable week 10 in the NFL. We'll catch you next week.